Hello, friends, and welcome to Not Your Basic Badass podcast today. I have a very special guest, Sarah K. Ramsey, Esquire. Hello, Rachel. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. So happy to have you on the podcast today to talk about toxic people. Like, how fun is this going to be to talk about toxic people, how to handle them, and how to, well, you know, we'll let her talk about it. So Sarah, why don't you go ahead and give our listeners a little bit of an intro into who you are and what you do? Awesome. So I'll tell you, have you ever seen those little memes where it's like, this is what people think I do. This is what I actually do. Like, have you seen Mm -hmm. those types of things? So I think people assume that I have a lot of people just whine about their exes all the time. And that is so far from the truth. Um, I consider myself a professional problem solver. Okay, so toxic people create a very unique set of problems that are very difficult and there's a lot of obstacles and they can create work problems and personal problems and relationship problems and confidence problems and all this kind of stuff. So I'm obsessed with the problem solving process because we can't change toxic people. Mm. We cannot. There are studies that show that our personalities are formed like four, five, six years old. Mm. And all these teachers who like were surveyed, like, okay, what's this child like? And then 20 years later, the child is still that way, you know? So the idea that, oh, I just need the right therapist to change my, you know, big bad wolf into a little puppy dog. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And it's a lot of work to put in to try and change another person. And that is kind of the method to my madness. So yes, if you take the work you are putting into trying to change someone else's personality into building a business, into building a new relationship, into building a better version of yourself, into building wealth, into building a podcast or a book or whatever, yeah, it's going to seem like you can do anything in the world because everything's easier than solving a toxic person problem. (laughs) That's a really good point, right? Like, there have been people in my life. I, well, let me back up. Like, first of all, what is a toxic person? Yeah. So the easiest way to explain it, and as we go on and talk later, um, I'll explain why I use this example. Um, let's think about how old you were when you took turn, when you were taught to take turns, maybe two years old, maybe one, maybe three, maybe four. Anyway, very early in your life, someone said, Rachel, we have to take turns. Mm. Okay. It's your brother's turn. It's your sister's turn. It's your friend's turn. And there was this process of learning how to take turns. Mm -hmm. Well, toxic people never learned their wants, their needs, their desires, their dreams, their hopes, their moods, their money, their sex drive, their whatever is always more important than everyone else's to them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it creates this dynamic where They don't play by the same set of rules. Okay. They make the rules. They enforce the rules. They break the rules. When convenient for them. Mm -hmm. When convenient for them. And they look to be in relationship with people who their only job is to follow the rules. Mm. Okay. Oh my gosh. I'm just, I mean, I'm just thinking about my ex right now. And I think, it's important to note too, that like toxic people don't always exude this energy of like, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they are the nicest people that you've ever met, mm-hmm. but the ways that they get people to, you know, follow their rules or do what they want 
is a very subtle and sometimes mm-hmm. very kind and easy to give the benefit of the doubt to approach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they are interested in two things, blame shifting and image management. Mm. Okay. And that's why I use that concept of like, you know, setting all the rules or it always being their turn. Because if I said, okay, toxic people are abusive, that that can be true. Toxic people are dangerous. That can be true. Toxic people are liars. That can be true. Toxic people are manipulated. That can be true. But then people start making excuses in their head. Well, but the reason he lies is because he just loves me so much and it just hurts him inside. He's just afraid of love. And so he has to lie sometimes to get angry sometimes because he's afraid of love because his mom didn't love him well and he had all that trauma. And it's like BS, mm-hmm. right? BS. Oh yeah, this is a badass podcast. I can say bullshit, right? <laughs> I forgot, you know, <laughs> I try to keep it, you know, clean according to the audience, but I say bullshit, right? And that's why I go back to that. Were you in a relationship with someone where it was always their turn, where their wants, needs, desires, moods were always more important than yours, where they got to set the rules and your job was to in, like follow the rules? Yeah. Like it was always my fault whenever things went wrong. It's like, right. Oh, it's because there's something wrong with me that I have to change. And that when I, when I explain it that way, it's just really hard for people to talk themselves into it still being their fault because that's hard to argue with because they know it's never their turn mm-hmm. and they keep working like, okay, if I give it enough time, if I get it right, if I'm a little nicer, then, then it will be my turn. Mm-hmm. But it creates this dynamic where one person is doing all the work of the relationship, right? Stretching and then the other person with benefiting. relief. I know. Like, right? this, is, this is so good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of obsessed. <laughs> and I'm obsessed with the language around it, right? Um, because, you know, we have domestic violence awareness campaigns, which is great. But, oh my gosh, like, are we only talking about the concept of toxic people if there's like violence in the home involved? Like, right. that's kind of, my, my cousin um, recently had breast cancer surgery. She um, had a double mastectomy. She's only 39 beautiful. She had a double mastectomy because she had cancer. Okay. Um, she's not going to die from cancer, which is wonderful, right? The cancer is out of her body because she had that surgery, but I can't say, well, you know, it's not that bad that you don't, that you have cancer because you don't have stage four cancer. So the only cancer that counts is stage four cancer and too bad. So sad. You have two surgeries around Christmas you don't have to say like, that's crazy town. Right. And that's what I feel like so much of the conversation around toxic relationships. When you get into conversations about abuse, domestic violence, like those types of things, those are the stage four problems. Yeah. And I really want to bring us back into some precancerous cells and cancer prevention so we can actually protect ourselves because by the time it's in stage four, I'm not saying you can't protect yourself. I'm we have to have a better conversation around it. Yeah. And looking at taking this more nuanced approach to the way that like we're, that we allow ourselves to be treated. Right. I think most Mm -hmm. people can agree that being smacked by a partner is a sign that something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. Like Mm -hmm. if you're in that situation, I can understand, right. It's, you have a lot of mental things that are going on that contribute to staying in that situation, but from an objective outside perspective, most people all over the world can agree that that is not appropriate. Right. But then Mm -hmm. 
that's like a big B boundary violation, if you will. But then what about on this smaller area? So what would you say, how can you determine whether or not something is okay when you are in a situation with a toxic person that is telling you it's your fault, that is very good and very practiced at shifting that blame so that they don't have to do the work of, of making any sort of change. How can you tell when that's happening? So I'm a coach who believes in getting coached. And so when I hire a coach, a hundred percent of the time, they tell me I need to be more grounded and rest more. A hundred percent of my coaches tell me that, right? And I get it. And I love what I do. You can tell how passionate I am about it. I'm just like, rest, why would I want to do that when I can put out another book? Like that seems more fun, you know, because I love what I do. It doesn't feel like work for me, right? And so every coach I've ever had has said, I need to rest and be grounded, okay? That's important data to me because everyone's saying the same thing. Mm. With toxic people, they'll usually say things like, oh, you're selfish. And you're like, well, no one else thinks I'm selfish, Mm. right? No one else has ever said that about me. And that's how you know. And then what they'll say is like, well, no one else knows you like I know you. See, I know all these terrible things about you because I'm the one who really knows you. And these other people who think you're great or kind or giving or selfless don't really know who you are. I'm, I'm the expert in your life. Mm. That's right? such a good example. And a really good point is like shifting the authority mm-hmm. away from you know yourself better into, mm-hmm. I am, I'm your closest partner. I know everything. And therefore I get to say and define who you are. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such a power move, right? Mm-hmm. To, to take that away. It's, it's such a power move. And when I ask people, they're like, oh, does everyone in your life think you're selfish? They're like, no, not at all. Okay. Let's, let's collect all the data. We can't shine the spotlight on this one person's data and give them all the power and influence, right? And if there's, I mean, like all of us have certain things in our life that probably everyone kind of says and things we can all work on, right? And that's why I started with that example. And they're probably right. When everyone's saying the same thing, it's probably right. But if all of a sudden, you know, people say, I think you're a really kind and a good friend. And then all of a sudden I have this one person who's like, you're a terrible friend. I'm the only one who knows you. You only think you're a good friend. Those people are lying to you because they, they're, you know, trying to make you like them. I'm the only one willing to tell the truth. Hmm. Then you've got a problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how do you protect yourself from that? The, when you're, well, uh, there's two pieces to that one, how to not get in that situation and then what to do if you're in that situation. Okay. So I'm a huge believer of that's weirds. When I have, you're like, huh, what is she going to say? Okay. When I have talked to so many people who've been in toxic relationships and I say, did you see the red flags or did you ignore the red flags? Did you think something's a little off? You may not have known that eventually 10 years later, it was going to turn into whatever it turned into. Okay. But did you notice that something was off? Did you notice that you were acting a little bit different around this person or shrinking or changing your behavior? Um, Because the reality is if I got a group of 13 year old girls and no one's, no one's thinking about 13 year old girls as being that wise. Like that's not, you know, when you're thinking like, oh, my 13 year old guru, like people would look at you like you were nuts. (laughs) But if I said, hey, if you are with someone and they disappear for several days, 
and then don't talk to you, or they always give you the silent treatment, or you feel like you're being punished, or they have a different set of rules for what you should do and what they should do, or they're always flirting with other people, or you feel like they're being dishonest, or they're aggressive in some way. Uh, these 13-year-old girls would say, yes, those are red flags. Mm -hmm. Okay. But 33-year-old girls are ignoring them. Mm. What's happening? We didn't get more dumb at 33 than we were at 13. Yeah. I mean, my best guess with that at some point in time, we just become more willing to put up with others bullshit and better at making excuses. Also more time being conditioned that it's our job to be kind and nurturing, which means doing that at the expense of, of our own safety. I definitely think that we also, I consider myself a very kind person. Um, but I do not make excuses for behavior. Mm -hmm. Like I believe someone's behavior is who they are. I don't say, well, they're really great. They've got a really good heart, but they just, you know, they're a little rough around the edges. No, I do I not mean, believe that anymore. If they have a good heart, then their actions are going to show it most of the time. Right. Well, and a really important point is Really nice people don't pretend to be mean. Mm. Like if someone is nice and good and giving and selfless, they don't wake up and say, I think I'm going to pretend to be mean today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's only the mean people who pretend to be nice. Yeah. Well, then there's pretending to be nice versus uh -huh. being a human, mm -hmm. not always doing everything perfectly. So like, how did, and that's where it gets yes. really, really, really tricky and subtle. Uh -huh. How do you know? Well, and, and the, that's weird, which is where we started this conversation. That's You're weird. looking for a pattern of behavior. Mm. Huh? That's weird. They kind of disappeared that night. That's weird. They didn't seem like they are where they said they were. That's weird that I started feeling like I had to perform being around them. That's weird that they, I saw them kind of snarl and then turn their face around and smile at me. That's weird that mm. they seem to be extra close to their other girlfriend that, you know, ex old girlfriend. That's mm. weird that they seem to lose their temper, but then can switch it off so quickly. Like it's all about the pattern. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have a story when I was little, my mom had a chow puppy. Okay. And I don't know anyone with a chow now because they're kind of violent dogs. <laughs> and I was like, mom, why did you get a chow puppy? And she said, we didn't have the internet to ask questions. Like we didn't have, the, we couldn't Google good family pet or bad family pet. Mm. So she said the chow was really cute. Well, the chow was really cute and it bit all my friends. I cannot believe we didn't get sued. I mean, it bit so many children. Like we didn't have it for very long because it just bit all the children. And we would never say we're getting rid of a family pet because it nipped someone one time. No, hardly anyone I know would get rid of a family pet because the, yeah. the dog had a bad day or somebody startled it or something like that. But Bear was a biter. He bit lots of people, lots of times over a pattern of time. That's mm -hmm. who Bear was. Bear was a biter, right? And that's really the difference in, in looking for those patterns because you're right, we do have bad days. But if there's a pattern of bad days or a pattern of being consistently inconsistent, mm -hmm. then you're dealing with a toxic person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So easy to see hindsight 2020. 
Yep. When something explodes and you're like, okay, I can trace backwards and I can see the signs of everything. So when you do notice those patterns, what's, I mean, obviously getting yourself out of that situation in some way, mm-hmm. but what about when you can't, if it's an in-law, if it's a mm-hmm. family member that you like, they're in your life, what mm-hmm. do you do then? So my favorite thing to do is try to figure out if there is a role they can play. For example, you might have a mother who is very helpful in, you know, picking up your kids from school or something like that, but she's, you know, not helpful in, you know, you don't ask her advice about your appearance because she's been telling you you were fat for the Mm. last 20 years or something. Right. So there's a certain role that she can play. Um, and and an okay and a healthy role. We want to kind of keep her in that box because if we start, there are some people we just have to cut out of our lives, but I I certainly don't want to become someone who just says, every time someone pisses you off, they're done. You -hmm. stand up for yourself, sister. Like that is not my attitude. And there is a lot of people's attitudes. And I'm concerned with the toxic person conversation, how bitchy it is swinging, you know? And it's this idea of like, well, you can't put up with me. I'm a grown ass woman. I can do what I want. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, we can, <laughs> I mean, you have, you have the freedom and you, but is there a middle ground here? Like, is there some, like, I'm not going to be walked over, but I'm still, you know, going to not come across as aggressive. Yeah. Because in right? your own way, if that is your pattern, that's kind of a toxic behavior in Absolutely. itself. And it's based in fear. It's not based in power. It's I'm scared. So I'm going to push everyone away as quickly as possible. Yeah. That's not power to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's not power to me. Power is, huh? I see your behavior. Okay. Now I know, now I know how this is going to go. Right. Um, Putting distance between you and the toxic person. Let's say you have a aunt who always says ugly things to you at the dinner table at Thanksgiving. Maybe you decide to sit at the kid's table. Maybe you decide to always make sure you're at the other end of the table from her. This is um, very helpful in a business setting. If there's a toxic person at work, Um, if you need to tell them something, try to catch them in the hallway. If you're back at work, you know, try to catch them in the hallway rather than in their office where you're cornered, you know, if it possible, say it in front of someone else, make sure you're not sitting beside them in meetings and not where you're getting trapped. Um, Make a habit of needing to go to the bathroom if they catch you and, oh, I'm so sorry, I've got another appointment, right? Don't give them self, don't give them as much access to you. Yeah. It's not wrong. Forgiveness is not the same thing as access. Yes. I love that. I love that because so often we think that they're like mutually ex- or not mutually yeah. exclusive. Like I forgive them. And that means that it's my responsibility in some way to continue forgiving them and allowing them to do the same things over and over and over again. It's fine. I'll just forgive them. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and Rachel, like, I think you are someone who wants to bring light and life into the world. Like I can, you know, from what we know about each other, like we're both <laughs> be like, we're light warriors, right? Like we want to make the world a better place. Strive to well, be, absolutely. Strive to be. Yeah. I mean, we, we all have our off days, um, but uh, strive to be. And I cannot, if someone is addicted to selfishness, they can never take turns. They always get to make the rules and break the rules. So mm-hmm. someone is addicted to food and they are, you know, a thousand pounds. It's not nice for me to take them a milkshake every day. 
That's not nice or kind. Mm -hmm. They may yell at me that I didn't bring them a milkshake, but there's nothing nice about bringing someone who's about to have a heart attack five milkshakes. There's not, it's not nice to bring a heroin to a heroin addict, right? It's not nice if someone is addicted to their selfishness, addicted to anger, addicted to bullying, addicted to always having the rules. There's nothing nice about, oh, I forgive them. Well, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep feeding their addiction. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we think about being a quote unquote, nice person, right. which I learned the other day is that like being nice, the etymology of that word means stupid, oh, which is really? so interesting, right? Yeah. Is that at times mm. where we are so naive to believe that the kindest thing is to allow a behavior to continue because not allowing it would make somebody upset. Right. And that's why I, I use the example of someone who's morbidly obese or heroin, because I, I think it's easier to see. Totally. Yeah. That's not it's nice terrible. to bring a heroin addict heroin. Even if they're mad, you didn't bring them the heroin. There's nothing nice about that. Right. So just the same, if it's addiction, power, um, you know, addicted to power, addicted to anger, addicted to uh, making the rules, breaking the rules and then trying to enforce the rules on you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like a hundred percent. So mm -hmm. in terms of setting those boundaries, right. You said looking for the weird things, mm -hmm. looking for the pattern. A pattern of the weird things. Yes. 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 And I looking do a three strikes you're out rule when three I first meet someone. Yeah. I'm probably down to two these days. I hadn't been wrong in a while. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about my, my mm -hmm. batting average, you know, but, uh, the, but yes, uh, at least a three strikes you're out rule. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think with that too, there's a communication component of mm -hmm. three strikes you're out. Okay. But then also communicating that expectation to, to the other person in some way that, that you can give them a chance to not strike out a second time. Absolutely. And, and that's why I use the example of cracking open the door. So I crack open the door and I peek my head out and I see who your actions say you are. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's, we make it really complicated. We got narcissistic personality disorder, sociopath, no covert narcissist, this. I mean, it is quite the conversation, which I can have the conversation, but my purpose is to make this as simple as possible mm -hmm. because an obsessive study over narcissism is not the same thing as being happy. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and if you're in a relationship, to the back. <laughs> yeah, well, like if yeah. you're in a relationship with a narcissist or you mm -hmm. have noticed that pattern, it's like, okay, I'm in this situation right now. It is what it is, but that does not mean that I have to continue because I'm seeing the signs. I'm knowing where this is going. And so it's like this thing too, right? two strikes or two, three strikes, you're out. That's how you prevent yourself from getting into that situation. And then, okay. Immediate action. As soon as you, as soon as you notice that pattern, what do you think are some really solid grounds to stand on when you recognize your situation? And then you're like, okay, I know it's time to set a boundary. It's, I know it's time to distance myself from this person. I know it's time to complete this relationship and just not allow myself or not allow them to associate with me. What do you think is the most solid ground, solid mindset and emotional state to take those actions from in order to, you know, not be in that situation? 
And that's tough because it has to be you. Like you have to be your solid ground. I have to be my solid ground. You know, the the check you were talking about your past relationship where he seemed so nice. Uh, you know, the the manipulation is fantastic. I mean, how many of us like couldn't believe it when we heard about Bill Cosby? Mm. You know, he'd apparently raped all these women. We were like, oh, but he's so funny and he sells pudding. Like, you know, it, Who they cares? are good. <laughs> right, 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 right. They are good at their game. They are good at their game. And so it is. That's why it's the that's weird. It's because it's like, gosh, it just feels like something's off. But if you wait until you figure out what's off, if you wait until you have all the answers, you are going to be in a real trouble. That you, you are going to be at least in stage two or three cancer before you have the answers of what was off, of what was wrong. And, you know, and that's why I go back to that. Okay, they this person has been hearing that they need to take turns since two or three or four. If it's always their turn and they're always more important than you and they're 33, 43, 55, whatever, and you think, oh, they just need to be loved a little more. No, they don't. They know they're supposed to take turns. They don't want to. They've been hearing it for 50 years. It hasn't fixed yet. Right? And so that is the solid ground that I, I try to stay on. Like people who people are choosing who they are. Mm. Their actions show me who they are. I have to have, you know, that crack open the door. So I peek my head out. Okay, your actions say you are kind and who you say you are and consistent. I crack it open a little more. Oh, three strikes are out, close the door. It doesn't have to be this whole drama, you know, oh, and this and that. Honestly, I, I mean, I, I, well, if I may, I'm sure you've heard the story of the three, the three wolves or the uh, three little pigs and the big bad wolf. Yeah. Okay. One little pig had straw boundaries one little pig had stick boundaries and one little pig had brick boundaries. Mm. Which one of the pigs changed the big bad wolf into a nicer person? Well, obviously the third one. <laughs> well, <laughs> but kidding. did he change? You know? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know prepping for this question. So but, but it, the illustration is important, right? Because sometimes we think, well, you know, that would have happened to you, Rachel, if you hadn't been such a doormat, if you had stood up for yourself, if you hadn't been so afraid of conflict, if you had not been so naive. Yeah, that's like you what wouldn't, people call the victim shaming, right? Right. And that's why I love the story about the three little pigs. And because within the victim shaming, a lot of times they say, well, you just need better boundaries. And then the person goes, okay, I'm going to have better boundaries. And then this person, you know, cause it's usually, you know, somebody they're very specific. Okay. So my, my dad bullies me. Okay. I'm going to have better boundaries. My dad's not going to bully me anymore. No, your dad has not changed since he was two or three or four years old. It's another, that's just another version of blame shifting. Yes. But it's coming from other people and not. It's coming the from therapists. And it's usually coming from therapists. Oh, interesting. And um, I'm not blaming therapists. I'm, they have been trained to do what they are doing. And, you know, uh, but yeah, it's, 
it is another form of blame shifting. And it's like, okay, well, if you were, if you stood up for yourself and had better boundaries, then the big bad wolf would be a little lap dog. And boundaries are made to protect pigs, not change wolves. Oh my gosh. There are so many quotes that I'm, <laughs> every time you say something, I'm like, oh, social media post. How am I going to decide? <laughs> That's so good. Boundaries are made to protect people, not to change people. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So if you can leave our listeners with three, no, one golden nugget, the most important thing that they can focus on with toxic people, what would that be? Um, Find people who play by the same set of rules. That is the easiest way that I have seen cut through the noise, even if you're trauma bonded, even if you're um, in love with them, even if it's a family member, that it's kind of like the the glasses that once you like have, you know, take off the glass, like once I see in contacts, I'll never go back to seeing not in contacts, right? It's like, I can't unsee it. It's the world is so much better when I have my contacts in, right? And, and that's kind of like, oh, wow, this person isn't playing by the same set of rules. Like the rules are always to their advantage. Huh. That's really important data for me. Um, that is absolutely the game changer. Mm-hmm. And, and if I may, uh, you were asking something earlier about, you know, how do you stand on your own? And I do not teach self-worth. I teach self-integrity. Mm. It's and, so much easier to wrap your mind around that. Right. And yeah. I have the self-integrity to not help other people become the worst version of themselves. I, it's not a self-worth issue. It's like, oh, I thought I was doing the right thing by being good, kind, loving, and eternally forgiving. And when you can switch and it's like, oh, I'm not doing the right thing by being overly good, kind, loving, giving, mm-hmm. and eternally forgiving. So I need to stand in my integrity. You build all the self-worth you want because you trust yourself. Oh, I love that. It's so good. Well, and everybody can feel the difference of when they're out of integrity with themselves. Mm-hmm. Worth is kind of one of those black holes. It's like, where does it start? Where does it end? Exactly. At some point, yes. You just have to decide that you're worthy, mm-hmm. but there is a very clear bodily sensation. When you do something that is out of integrity, that is the guilt response. That's the mm-hmm. shame response not Mm -hmm. in like the unhealthy shame way, but like that's Mm -hmm. very built in and very easy to sense when we do something Mm -hmm. out of integrity with ourselves. And it can protect us, you know? I mean, it can really, I stand in my integrity. I don't, I'm not a scratching post for other people's bad behavior anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not who I am. I'm good with that. I'm really good with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very accessible and, easy way, easy shift for people to start thinking about that in in their own lives. It's like, this is who I am. This is what I stand for period done. It's not about Mm -hmm. if I'm lovable or not, we don't even have to go there because it never ends. That's exactly right. I call it an abstract concept, you know, and even like confidence. Okay. Someone who's confident in a bikini may not be confident giving a speech. So do they, are they always never confident or like, where does that end? You know, and self-worth thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Self self self-worth feels the same way. It feels too abstract to nail down and be really helpful, but self-integrity 
is quicker to nail down and is helpful now. And that's, that's where those 13 year old girls, not that they have more integrity, uh, they just, uh, you know, that's up for debate. That's up for debate. Yeah. It's um, the, you know, well, I have a, a son who's almost 12. So I hope there's some uh, 13 year old girls of integrity for my son soon. Uh, but the, um, you know, but that that concept of this is who I am. I have clear eyes, clear heart. I see people's behavior. I look at their behavior and I make decisions based off their behavior. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. really that simple. Yeah, it totally is. Oh, I love that. So good. So Sarah, the last question that I always ask my podcast guest is what is the weirdest thing about you? This was a very easy answer. So I'm kind of addicted to the hair dryer. Love it so much. So when I'm writing my books or whatever, and this has been like a long-term thing. Like actually my son does it too. My daughter like, you want to come blow dry me? You know, it's just like the noise and the heat and the warmth. And so like I will turn noise. like, yeah. Yeah, it's the white noise thing. So when I'm writing, I will like set my computer down and have the blow dryer. And so it's like shuts out the entire world. <laughs> and I'm just like, so yeah, as soon as you'd warn me about that question, I was like, oh, easy answer. It is the weirdest thing about me. And I am unfortunately passing it on to my children, fortunately or unfortunately passing it on to my children. You know what? Whatever works for you. I love I love that. I'm going to have to give that a try. Get myself at like a blow dryer stand or something to dry out. Yeah, well, the crazy thing is the night, you can kind of say it, the night I met my husband hmm. has been my only blow dryer injury. And it was super cold. Um, I met him in February and it was super cold. And I fell asleep with the blow dryer on. And that was a disaster. Like that is not a good thing. And I burned my hand. And so, but it was kind of funny because he made a comment. He was like, oh, so you found two permanent things that day. Because like, I have a little, it almost looks like Aww. a little heart on Aww. my hand. And he was like, oh, there's two permanent things. You have that permanent thing on your hand and then me. So That's all's well that so it's well, but don't fall asleep to the blow dryer. <laughs> <laughs> the story. So good. So good. So Sarah, if our listeners want to reach out and find you, where would they do that? They can search toxic person proof, which is like bulletproof the toxic person proof. Mm. And they're going to find my toxic person proof podcast. They're going to find my book becoming toxic person proof. Um, you can go to my website, sarahkramsey.com. I do have a program that helps women reconnect with what's right with them, become toxic person proof and design lives. They're excited about living and join my Facebook group, finding love and success after a toxic relationship. Okay. So good. And we'll link up all of those things in the show notes as well. Sarah K. Ramsey. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. You are and so for all welcome. Of you, yay. And for all of you other basic badasses, we not so basic badasses. We will talk with you next week. Hey, if you want to learn how to feel better, you're going to want to grab my copy of the five categories of emotion. It's my free ebook that has been known to help people demystify, categorize, and unstickify their emotions so they can move forward while learning the new language of their body. Check out the link in your show notes to get your free copy now. Mm-hmm.